I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. Yeah, it's good to be back. You know, man, it's I took a vacation. I took a, a two-week vacation. I I did record one episode uh while we were away, but I hope everyone's been well. Um family and I took a trip down to the Jersey Shore. Now, this is the second time like second time, second year in a row we've gone down there and some family members outside, you know, some extended family came with us. It was a good time. Uh, we used to go down to the Outer Banks, but that that had that that went on for you know, about two decades. It was a big tradition we had, and it was my favorite thing in the world. But I don't know, things happen. People get older. People get busy. It, we haven't done that in a while. I'm hoping to one day go back with with my best friend, who I consider. I'm sorry, my cousin, who I consider my best friend. We want to go back down there again someday. But this is this is fun too. We we this is the second year in a row going down to the Jersey Shore. So we were there for about two weeks. So I did take a bit of a break from the podcast. Missed about I think I recorded one episode, so I I hit one of the series down there, and I missed about the next three. But we're back. We're good now. It was a good vacation. I had an awesome time. Seeing everybody and um, obviously, of course, the Yankees pick the one time where I'm not available to do, you know, make a bunch of moves and do a bunch of shit. Happened to be I was that I was down there during the trade deadline. And so obviously some shit went down and we're going to get to that. Um, and it happened to be the end of the month, so we're going to talk about the progress report four months in, per the title of this episode. We're going to talk about the series that just happened in Miami, Derek Jeter's Marlins. And man, they showed Jeter on the telecast. They showed Posada. Uh, I don't think Mattingly was there because of he had he had contracted the virus. Um, I, I think from what I hear, he's doing well. Uh, but man, they showed Jeter. They interviewed Jeter. It's sad. It still hurts, man, to see him not affiliated with the Yankees in any way. But I am happy for him that he's got a baseball team to own. He's talked about that before. How he that was one of the, he's talked about that for a bit. How that's one of the things he's always been focusing on. And he wanted to do that someday, and so I'm glad that he's finally fulfilling that. I guess dream of his his post baseball career dream and um you know it's funny they were asking him asking Derek how he was enjoying his time as the CEO what's the official label I guess CEO uh, of the Marlins how does he like the job and he's like I don't like it I'm paraphrasing but he's you know pretty much he came out and said it I don't like it until we start winning. And that was the most Derek Jeter thing you could ever say. And so I love that. I, I love that. It was the answer that may have made others go, wow. 
but it's not shocking if you know anything about who Derek Jeter is. He's just a winner. He's he's a winner, and he's he doesn't care about anything else but winning, and you got to respect that. So we're going to talk about the Marlins series. We're going to discuss the trade deadline a little bit. We'll go over the progress report, you know, review every player individually, um, the lineup, and then we'll review, you know, we'll pick apart the lineup individually, and then we'll review, we will review the bullpen, the rotation, and the Yankees as a unit, give all all the grades that we need to, um, grading the trade deadline too. So we're giving Brian Cashman a grade, and yeah. Uh, and, and also, you know, what's been going on since I, you know, it started to, when I went on vacation, the Olympics began. So that happened. Uh, the Misha Tate fight went down when I was on vacation. I saw all this. I, I was watching the Yankees while I was down there. I was watching. I'm still watching as I'm speaking and recording this podcast. I'm watching the Olympics um, and, and UFC. Some shit happened last night, too, even. So as I'm recording, it is a Sunday night, August 1st. It's 7.48 p.m. as I am speaking. Hopefully, as you're listening to this, I have it up by the end of this night. If not, the latest tomorrow morning, a.k.a. Monday the 2nd. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. If you are new here, my name is RJ Carbone. I am a host of this podcast right here, which is called BD4, where there's no better way, no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. So if you guys want to subscribe to this podcast right here if you haven't yet do that right now you can subscribe to us on youtube where you're watching the podcast if you're on youtube with us but you can also listen to the podcast on many platforms such as apple podcasts you know it's the podcast app aka itunes um spotify soundcloud anchor which is our sponsor Google Podcasts, many other listening platforms. So to find the podcast, to follow me even on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and to subscribe to my blog if you want to do that too, where we write about the Yankees and Knicks, all that stuff, the podcast, the blog, and my social, find all that on my website. And to get to that information, go to my link tree. That's probably the easiest way to get there. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. All right, so the link tree will take you to my website, and it'll show you all the, the. It'll have all the links to where you need to be. It just it simplifies everything. So go to my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Once again, podcast. We do Yankees every series, Knicks every two games. The blog we recap every game, Yankees and Knicks. And then if you want to follow me on my social, do that on there as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. While I was away, I had a bunch of people telling me. My sister was telling me. My cousins were telling me. My aunt was even saying how good of a show it is to watch Ted Lasso. So that's one thing I plan on doing when I get the time. I have a lot on my plate right now with school. I've got some assignments that I'm backed up on. Um, I've got you know, the podcast and the blog to catch up on now. And um, I'll be starting work again this week. So it's going to be hard to find time. And I'm also watching The Wire already. I, I'm That's a big show that I'm very late on, obviously. But so I'm going to try to find time to watch this Ted Lasso thing. I hear it's funny. I, I like Jason Sudeikis, who I believe is the main character. 
um, just about him. And he knows nothing about soccer, but he's hired to be a head coach of a soccer team. I think it's Man U, if I'm correct. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to check it out. I, I did start a little bit of it, but I didn't really finish it because the Yankees game was on while I was watching. So I just turned it off and started watching the Yankees strictly. Um, I was like five minutes in maybe. But yeah, if I can find the time, I'll check that out. I know a lot of people are uh, raving about that show right now. Sorry. Just checking my email. Yeah, I'm backed up. I have so much shit to do. But yeah, the Olympics have been good. Um, I'm assuming it ends soon. Because it started almost two weeks ago. And I think they're only two weeks long. Which is weird to me. Because I feel like it's always longer than that. But it's such a short span. Two weeks. But um, I, I like watching the beach volleyball. The women's beach volleyball. Because I'm a big fan of... Well, not, I guess it's only because I know them. The only... I know who April Ross is. And, and Kerry Walsh Jennings. Those are the only two names I've ever heard of. When it comes to beach volleyball. So... That's why I like to watch that. I, I think Walsh Jennings didn't, well, she didn't partake in this Olympics because she had a kid. But I, I don't know if she's officially retired. Um, but I used to love watching her. But I know April Ross was her partner in 2016. And Ross is back out there. She's got a partner, Kleinman. And they're doing well. I, I think today they were supposed to play. I don't know what happened. I don't know how to find it. But um, I, I know they've been killing it. Um, I was watching the indoor volleyball. Uh, the U.S. wasn't doing so well against the ROC the other night. <laughs> you know, the Russians were handling them. But, uh, obviously, the Simone Biles thing, she she backed out. And there was a whole controversy there. Um, I haven't been watching too much of the gymnastics. I was watching the men's, what's it called, the Palma Horse earlier today. That's always really cool. I've always been intrigued with that. Just, you have to be in such good shape. Like, your upper body strength has to be elite to be able to do some shit like that because you're not allowed to touch the thing. Um, I hear Kawhi opted out. Oh, wow. I just got a text from my cousin saying Kawhi, LOL. But I know he... I read a headline earlier saying he opted out. Um, $36 million opt-out, yeah. Yeah, he... I mean, obviously, he don't want to stay there. He could have took that money. That's a lot of fucking money. He don't want to play there. I wouldn't expect him to play there. Um, hey, Kawhi, if you're listening to this, Madison Square Garden is a fun place to play right now. Put that out there. Anyway, yeah, I've been enjoying the Olympics. Um, the swimming, I need to watch more of the swimming. I know they, they've got a new kid. Um, I don't know if he's new, but... I'm used to Michael Phelps. I'm used to Ryan Lochte. But this kid, uh, I forget the name. He broke a record the other day. So did Katie Ledecky, the woman swimmer. But this kid, um, drawing a blank, is it Caleb something? I know the kid's name. I just forget it. But he's like the new hot shit amongst the men's swimmers. And I think obviously Katie Ledecky's been around a bit. I don't know where Missy Franklin is. I know that's a name I'm familiar with from 2016. But yeah, it's been it's been cool. I always love watching the Olympics. There's just so many different sports that you would have never thought to watch, you know, on a normal basis. But every four years they come around, they show it on TV. You're like, why the hell not? And so you watch it. And um, 
it's cool stuff. It's really cool stuff. It's impressive. You know, it, it just makes you put things into perspective. Like I'm sitting here on the couch judging my favorite baseball team, my favorite basketball team on a night to night basis. And then you watch, you know, these teams go out there and these, these players and athletes go out there. And sometimes you just got to put it into perspective. What am I talking about? I don't know shit. Um, so <laughs> that happened. Uh, yeah, the UFC has been good. It's been hot. You know, it's been hot. The Misha Tate fight was awesome. I, I think. Did we talk about that when I talked about the the when I had episode two sixty six? Yeah, I think we might have. But uh, another good fight night was yesterday. As I'm speaking, uh, yesterday was a good fight night card for a, for a freebie man. There was a lot of good fights. Some early stoppages. A lot of knockouts. A lot of excitement, a lot of intensity. Uh, I can't remember all the names, but obviously the main event was Strickland and Uriah Hall. A pretty frustrating, um, embarrassing if you're Hall performance. I mean, he just didn't have it. He had nothing. He didn't. I mean, you look at Sean Strickland. Strickland looked like he didn't even get touched. And on the flip side, he was throwing just throwing heat the entire five rounds on on Hall. And Hall had a shot. I mean, Strickland was just standing flat-footed, just throwing punches. Hall could have done some shit, but he had nothing. And it, you gotta give him prop, uh, props. He was, you know, he hung in there all five. I thought it was gonna be an early knockout. By the way, it was looking to start. I was saying this one was not lasting more than two rounds, but fortunately it did, because not only was did I want a good long fight, but I had money on it. I had Strickland winning in four or five or by decision. So he ended up winning by decision. And um, yeah, well, he's on a big streak right now. I know that. And I know Hall's got some shit to think about after that performance. It was rough. He did put up on uh, Twitter or Instagram earlier today just saying how he was frustrating with the performance. But he will be back stronger. You know, the usual spew that that athletes will will you know put out there after a loss so good but 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 you know i i i root for all these guys man i don't have any when it comes to mma i have nothing negative to say about any of these guys i, I root for them all um i'll be rooting for a good fight on november 6th and you better believe i'll be at ufc ufc 268 um it's supposed to be at madison square garden uh, as soon, I've been checking every single day, but nothing yet. As soon as tickets become available for that event, you bet I will be purchasing one. Um, I've already discussed this with my buddy, my best friend Chuck. We are going to be going together. I'm telling you, it's going to be us and my uncle wants to go. So this is going to be something I will attend. I'm telling you right now, I will be attending UFC 268. Um, I have to. This is the... This might be the biggest card of the year. Two major events. Um, the main and co-main. You have the main event being Usman versus Kobe Covington, number two. You know, that Kobe's probably the, the, the one guy who has a legitimate shot to, to steal a, uh, the belt. And then you've got, um, in, the, in the fucking uh, co-main event, it's, what's his name? Uh, Justin Gaethje and, and and Michael Chandler, you know. So I'm excited for that. I'm really hyped for that one. That's a that's a co-main event 
which is just absurd. And I don't know if they have announced the rest of the card yet. Um, I don't know, but I'm sure they're going to fill out some some good names regardless, you know. Um, so I, I will be there. That's one thing. I know I'm going to be at 268. Um, yeah, so welcome to the show. Welcome to BD4. Again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. We're going to talk Yankees tonight. Hopefully this episode can be one that we, we, um, catch up on and we hit everything, hit all the topics we need to. I usually forget shit and then I always remember as soon as I hit end on the recording because that's how it works. Um, but if you guys haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that right now. You can sub to us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. You can watch us on YouTube. There are many platforms to listen to the podcast on to. Um, just go to my link tree for that. And if you go to my link tree, link tr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone, not only will you find the podcast, but also the um, links to my social media and my blog. Okay, so I, I don't know if this is live. But it says coming up, they're showing the April Ross volleyball match from earlier today. I'm assuming it's from earlier today because it said, it's confusing me because it says live when I hit the guide. But usually the live events have the live in the top right corner, you know, where they have the, the watermark. But I think it is going to be live because I think they said 8 o'clock Sunday night. So I'm pretty sure they're about to go. So I'll be watching this. I'll be watching this for sure. All right. So let's head to our first break. When we get back, we'll discuss. We'll discuss the Yankees, man. Um, it's a better spot than they were where we when we last met. You know, a week ago. Uh, but I, I've still got my concerns. I'm not gonna be jumping ship. Um, yet. But I, yeah, I have some. I have some takes. I have some takes. So we'll be back. Thank you for tuning in, BRB. You are listening to RJ Carbone on BD4. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can do that right now. BD4 is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and you can also watch it on YouTube. There are plenty of other platforms to find this podcast, all you have to do is go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that will take you to where you need to be. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone in order to subscribe to this podcast. So, funny thing. So, when the Yankees made this deal, or these deals, at the deadline the other day, on Friday. Oh, it is live. Nice. They tuned in. Okay, good. Good. They just started. Nice. I'm going to be watching this, so I might be looking up here and there. When the Yankees made the deal for um, for Gallo and then Rizzo the next day before Friday, or was the Rizzo deal on, on, on Friday? I don't know. I think it was Thursday night. When they made those two deals, after both of them had been acquired, I put out a post on Twitter 
uh, make America, uh, make America, make uh, the Yankees Italian again. <laughs> and apparently it blew up <laughs> like a bunch of reactions to it. Um, I, I eventually it, it, I muted it because I didn't want to hear the shit because I'm sure something like that on Twitter, you're going to get all types of people replying. It was just a friendly little, you know, hey, make the Yankees Italian again. Because, you know, they've got history of, of legendary Italian-American Yankees players. But it was a fun little thing. It wasn't supposed to be political. But as soon as it hit, like, 800 likes, I think it's over 1,000 now, but as soon as it hit, like, 700 or 800, I'm like, I want, like, all right, I'm muting this thing because I'm I know... I'm going to get some comments. So I eventually just, just said, fuck it. I'm not even going to check, but that shit blew up. And I was, I was very shocked. I don't, I don't, my Twitter is very under the radar. I don't have anybody. I have like, I don't know, maybe 500 followers, 400 or 500. I don't check, but so I don't have shit. But so when, when something blows up like that, I know it's going to be controversial in the comment section, but uh, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, we've got Gallo, we've got Rizzo, we had the Castro, we had the Romano, but you know, these two guys still adding to that list of hopefully Yankee greats, um, Italian American greats. So we'll see what happens there. Um, we we are going to get into it though. Excuse me, because we did give them a report card, um, and, and I thought Brian Cashman going into this deadline. I was saying I was hoping the Yankees would sell. I wanted them to sell. I, But I also at the same time did not expect them to sell. Oh, they're playing Cuba. Huh. And they didn't. I expected them, though, to not do what they did. I expected them to do some kind of half-buy where they go after some middle-of-the-pack relief pitching arm and maybe grab a you know some starter who nobody's heard of either. But they went out and they, they full-on bought some pretty big names. Um, it started with the, the Holmes trade, right? The, the Holmes trade wasn't special. That was before this week. It was getting that reliever. And they traded away Park, which was unfortunate because a lot of people wanted to see what Park would look like as a lefty who makes contact and hits the ball hard. But, hey, he's gone. So they get this Holmes kid. He's a hard-throwing sinker baller. Um, that's all I know. <laughs> he, he pitched a couple times and did fine. Um, this series, you know, hopefully he's a better option than a Kriski, than a Wandy Peralta, than a Nick Nelson. You know, I'm assuming he's going to be used in that type of mop-up role. But they get him, but then they make the big move for Joey Gallo. That's when Brian Cashman breaks headlines. Joey Gallo to the Yankees. Texas takes the remainder of his salary for the year. That's good. But also, we shipped away some low-level, mid-tier prospects, you know, for, for Joey Gallo, who he plays good defense. Um, you know, first base, outfield, he's playing left field for us right now. But, you know, the big thing is he's 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 not a shocking add to this Yankees team if you know how this, this front office works. They are very heavily reliant on the analytics, and they go out and get a guy like Joey Gallo, who's a lefty, all about the launch angle, and he's one of those guys who's what they call a three-true-outcome player who is going to get on base because he walks and hits home runs. And when he gets out... He's going to strike out. He doesn't ground into double plays. They like that. They like the strikeout. They value striking out more than they do double plays. That's the analytical way. And so they got a guy like Gallo, who they feel his lefty pop can help them. Do I think this is the smartest move, given how the Yankees have 
been going home, or at least one of the reasons they've been going home every October lately, it's not my favorite move in the world. I'm not going to say this is awful, this is the worst thing, because we, ha we haven't seen this guy pan out yet, but right now, how, how do I think it's going to pan out, adding Joey Gallo to this team? I understand he's a lefty, um, but again, it goes back to what I always say. Just because somebody is lefty, it doesn't mean he's going to help the team win games when it matters. Would you rather have an effective right-handed bat or a left-handed bat who's not as effective? Not that I'm saying Joey Gallo isn't effective, but is he a guy who's going to actually help them improve in the in the playoffs? Or is he going to be a guy who has nice numbers but doesn't move the needle come the postseason? You know, is he a guy who's just adding fuel to the fire? You have Root Neto Dor, who's very streaky, home run or nothing. You have a Gary Sanchez, who's very streaky, home run or nothing. You have Giancarlo Stanton, who we see what he looks like right now when he slumps. It is the worst. He's missing the ball by feet, multiple feet. And so you have a lot of streaky home runner strikeout guys in the lineup as it is. And that's been one of the biggest issues that they've won home every October. Now, this guy differs from those those few guys we mentioned because he walks a ton. So that's good. He does have a high on base, but he's a guy who hits, you know, barely above the Mendoza. The highest batting average of this guy's career was well above any other batting average he's posted. And it was 253. This season, he's hitting in the 220s, I believe. He's not going to be a guy who does much when he's not homering. He's going to walk, and that'll be that. But he doesn't single, he doesn't double, he doesn't triple. He actually hit a double today. Um, so that's my biggest concern. I prefer that we go after guys like Anthony Rizzo, and we did. So I was very happy, very satisfied. It did, you know, make me a little bit, I felt a little better when I got the Rizzo news the next day. Because he's also a lefty bat who they need. So they're balancing out their lineup. It's no longer straight up righties. And especially with Odor starting to hit, they've got a lot of good lefty productive hitters now. But I loved the Rizzo move as opposed to being uh, about Gallo. I loved the Rizzo move because he's a lefty. He's also got power, but he also, also gets on base, but he puts the ball in play and he can hit for average. And yes, I do believe in that still. I do. And I, I think that's going to be huge for us. I, I think having a guy like that who's, you know, I know this year and last season during the shortened year, he, he wasn't a guy who hit his norm, but he's got a deep history of hitting the ball 270, 280, 290. So I still think that's in him. And you look at the small sample of this year and last year combined, it's still not even a full season yet. It might be just about. So I still think he can do that. And I still think this is a guy who he's made contact a ton over his career. He doesn't strike out a lot and he hits home runs and he hit two deep shots this series. Um, I think he's going to benefit the Yankees more than a Gallo can. I think Gallo's a good productive hitter. Well, he's a, he's a productive power hitter, but he's a very flawed power hitter on a lineup that's already very flawed with those same flaws. So he's a great power hitter. He's, Gallo's a productive power hitter. It's just that I don't think this lineup is fit for him. Or maybe is if you're looking at it in the stereotypical sense. Uh, but I do I love the Rizzo move a lot more. I, I think and he's just he's just an awesome dude. 
He's a veteran of the game. He's been around forever now. But this is somebody who is one of the more respected players in the game, if not the most respected player. He's just an awesome kid. He's got this whole... I don't. If you don't know, look it up. The Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation. Just a tremendous human being. Him and his family, what they do. Donating to these causes. And I know he's a guy who's overcame cancer. Um, I think he's got money going to patients around the world. And um, I, I believe I saw... I was reading up on it. He donated money to the victims' families of, of the Parkland shooting. So he's done some amazing things over the course of his baseball career with the money that he's earned. So uh, God bless this dude. Yankees fans, I know they're going to love him. He's already a fan favorite, not just with the Cubs, but around baseball. Um, we'll see how long it lasts. You know, there was talks of, of, of Voight right up until the deadline, uh, 4 p.m. on Friday. But that never happened. So when Voight gets back, it's going to be interesting to see how they maneuver this thing. Um, and obviously when the end of the season hits, do they bring back Rizzo? Or, or do they go back with Voight? Because Rizzo is supposed to be just a rental. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Does he go back to Chicago? Um, man, Alex and April are dominating. Every time I look up, they, they have a lead. I know they had a coach. That's interesting. I did not. There were. I did not know there was a beach volleyball coach for two on twos. I never see the coach talk to them. They always. That's interesting because when we're on the sidelines, they're just talking to each other in between breaks. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I love the Rizzo move. It, it, he was wearing the Chicago Cubs cleats and um, gloves during his first game as a Yankee. And, and obviously, he, it's an emotional thing for him, and he spent his entire career there. Um, he did play with San Diego as a rookie, but he spent the next, I don't know, nearly a decade maybe at Wrigley Field. So this is a guy who, who has been there his entire career. That's all he knows is Cubs baseball. And the Cubs are a team I've always respected. So he was part of that 2016 team that broke the curse. Um, so his family and him took a bunch of pictures around Wrigley that day he got traded and the Cubs continued their fire sale by trading Javi Baez the next day Chris Bryant to San Francisco Baez went to the Mets so they are completely restarting uh, I know Contreras is still there maybe they start building around him a catcher who I like a lot um, but I'm going to like Rizzo and then they got Andrew Heaney who's from the Angels um, I've heard of him before this was another analytics move um, if you look at the numbers, just the standard tradi traditional statistics, you know, the win-loss record, not great. The ERA, year to year, it's been very bad. Um, but they got him because they believe there's some untapped potential in Andrew Heaney, who's supposed to pitch tomorrow, as you're listening to this today, Monday. Um, but they got him because of the analytics, because he's got a high K rate, and he's also ha he also has a low walk rate. So... They like that kind of stuff. They believe that's an indicator for things to come. So they believe that they got him at the perfect time. And, and hopefully they can turn it around. You know, sometimes when players get traded, they, they do better in their new destination. Because it's a fresh start for them. That they're, you know, motivated again. So we'll see what happens with Heaney. But uh, the, the really, of the three guys they got Thursday and Friday, I am very high on one in Rizzo. Uh, Gallo, I'm not the fondest of that move. And the Heaney thing, I, you know, again, none of these, they didn't give up anything big in any of these deals. So that's the good thing. But as far as helping this team take the next step, I don't know how much, you know, 
two of these three moves are going to do. Um, we'll see. So I give Brian Cashman, having said all of that, a B plus this deadline. I, I give him a B plus. I'm more of a tough grader than I am a lenient grader. So rip me all you want in the comments. Give me all the thumbs down you want. Um, that's that's my final grade. You can do your own grade. So let's head to break. Uh, I also I did I was hoping we would have gotten a, a starting pitcher like Jose Barrios who ended up going to Toronto. So not only did the 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 Jays I'm sorry the Rays go out and grab Nelson Cruz a couple of days prior, but now the Jays got Barrios and, and the Red Sox they got Kyle Schwarber. So all the teams that are ahead of us or right next to us are making moves too. So it's going to be competitive rest of the way. I do think with the moves the Yankees made, they have a chance to make the wild card now as opposed to before. I didn't think they would have. Sorry, we were like crashing there as I was recording this. I think we're back up now. But um, I think what I was saying was, this is like five minutes after I, I, I just said something. Um, I, I think what they did at the deadline, Cashman's B-plus deadline, is going to be good enough to get them to the wild card as opposed to not which I didn't think they were going to pre-deadline. So I, I do think they'll be good enough now to make the postseason and, and get that second wild card over Oakland, I think is it. But I don't know, you know, as far as doing anything in the playoffs, I am still just as low as them as I've ever been. I think they're way too flawed fundamentally. I think they've got major pitching issues still. And I think the lineup, again, so much has to be done for me to be confident in this lineup making enough contact. And yes, I still believe in that, you losers. So <laughs> I know a lot of people my age are big on the whole home run, walk, strike out, three true outcome shit, but not me. I still believe you have to make enough contact. I think there's somewhat of a balance that needs to happen and they don't have enough of that. Oh man. So they're just one to way, way too. They're not multidimensional enough. So, but you know, it, it was a solid deadline. Um. So that's that's the grade I gave him. Brian Cashman gets a B plus. Let's head to break. When we get back, we will dive into the progress reports. Well, you know what? Let's let's go over the series. Let's go over the Yankees Marlins series first. When we get back from break, and then after the Yankees Marlins summary, we'll talk about the. We'll hand out the progress reports, all right, for, uh, you know, four months into the season. <clears throat> all right, so we'll be right back. Be right back. You can follow me on Facebook at r.j.carbone. You can follow me on Instagram at robjcarbone. And you can follow me on Twitter at nysportstalkrc. And if you want to follow along with the blog that I write, subscribe to It's My Opinion on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com.
All right, so does anybody ever follow or Aubrey Huff on Twitter? <laughs> Aubrey Huff on Twitter. Guy's fucking brutal. He is brutal. I mean, whew. I agree with a lot of what he says, but some of it is just so extreme. I was just scrolling through some of his posts as we were on break there. Um, whew. All right. <laughs> let's let's go over it real quickly. This this Yankees Marlins series that just happened. Um, yeah, they they picked up the sweep, right? They picked up the sweep, their first sweep since, I think it was June 17th. So, we all know the Yankees have, have had issues sweeping teams this year. And that's been one of the things I've been so annoyed about, is that people accept taking the series so much. Especially, it annoys me the most when it's the last game of the series that they lose. They just always enter the next series with a, you know, a negative note. And so, like, normally I'd be fine with taking two out of three, taking two out of three. But this is a season, guys, where the Yankees are trying to make the playoffs. Not trying to win a division. Not trying to win 105 games again. They're trying to make the second wild card. So sweeping, I mean, so taking two out of three all the time, at your best, I should say, and never sweeping at your best, that's not going to be good enough always. At some point... You have to go on runs and start sweeping teams. And I'm not even just talking about three games sweep. I'm talking about at some point you have to go on runs where you win seven in a row. So we can't just keep settling and settling and settling. No, we're in a season where the Yankees aren't their best this year. They haven't had the best of seasons this year. So unfortunately, the standards are going to be higher now. The, ex the, the What they have to do is going to be more because of the hole they put themselves in. Normally, in a normal Yankees season scenario, yeah, I'd be fine with it. But this season, we have to do a little bit more at this point in the year. Late July, now it's August, than just settling for two out of three, or two out of four, or three out of four. We have to start sweeping teams. And so this was a good start to sweep the Marlins, who are a bad baseball team. So this wasn't anything that got my confidence up, but it was something that at least satisfied me to a degree. The Yankees win the first game of the set 3-1. to one. You had Jameis and Tyone going up against Thompson. The game is scoreless for the first five innings. Rizzo goes deep. I mean, a monster shot in the sixth inning. Makes it one nothing Yankees. Was his second at-bat? Maybe his third as a Yankee? Played appearance. In the eighth inning, Odor in RBI makes it 3 nothing Yankees. Tyone ends up going 5.2, shutout, five strikeouts. He's, listen, he's strong. He's on a strong run right now. He's on a roll. Uh, the month of July through five starts, 31 innings pitched, 25 strikeouts, a 4-0 record with a 1.16 ERA. And I know, you know, today was my, or game one, it was Miami that he faced. That's not a good team. Uh, he's faced Seattle. But the other three teams, I mean, he's faced Boston twice during this run. Did a great job against them. And he's faced Houston. That was the game they blew. So he's faced some decent lineups. 
So good for Tyon. He's been getting going. Uh, the fastballs, you know, he's not changing it up. You know, the big thing we always say, he needs more secondary pitches, but he's still throwing the fastball a lot. But it's working. It's working right now. Not really doing anything different, but it's good that he's finally gotten it going. You know, this is the guy who you expected he'd get off to a slow start coming off his second Tommy John surgery. So speaking of that, I wonder if there's going to be like a a limit, you know, like a, like a phantom DL stint, kind of how they did with Domingo just recently to kind of limit his innings pitched. But we'll see. Uh, the bullpen was good. Lasagna, Britton, Chapman. Britton did allow a run, but Yankees ended up winning. Uh, Rizzo and Gallo, that was their Yankees debut. Gallo bats second. Rizzo cleanup. Gallo walks in his first at-bat. No, he strikes out. He ends up getting a walk. He has two strikeouts and a walk on the game. Rizzo walks in his first plate appearance. Has two hits. Game where Torres was ejected on that pitch way outside. Boone comes out all polite in response. Thinks I, I think that's just a bit outside. <laughs> and um very Boone-esque. And that that was that. Judge hit by a pitch in the ankle. He's okay. Um DJ Geo did not start because of some injuries. I think triceps for, for DJ and, and uh Urshela's hamstring. But both later did come in, and that happened twice this series where they didn't start. But they got some at-bats later. It's, it's like, dude, if you're going to play your guys, play your guys. I hate the halfway shit. That's one of my pet peeves. The halfway shit. Especially when you're in a situation like this. When you you need every bit of your better players. Cortez gets a pinch running appearance <laughs> later in this game. My tablet just went off because I said Cortez. I thought I said Cortana. <laughs> um... Yeah, it was a good win. Uh, the offense, just three runs, seven hits, five walks, nine strikeouts, two double plays hit into two for five in scoring position. But regardless, the Yankees get the win, some big hits. Game two. Yankees win four to two. Rizzo and Odor lead the way. Odor, the RBI single in the first inning. A bit later, Gary with a double makes it 2 nothing Yankees after one. Miami later scores in the, in the fourth. You have Alfaro with the triple, later scoring on the wild pitch, makes it 2-2 two to two after four innings. In the fifth inning, Rizzo scores on the wild pitch, 3-2 to two Yankees. Rizzo then homers in the seventh inning to make it 4-2, to two, which was the eventual final. Bats get four runs on seven hits, six walks, strike out ten times, go three for 12 in scoring position. Rizzo has a big night, reaches all five times. Two hits, two walks, and a hit-by-pitch. That earned him the leadoff spot in Game 3. Uh, Domingo pitches this one. He goes four innings. Then it goes to Licky, to Holmes, to Lasagna. Um, Domingo announced the next day. Goes on the DL with the elbow inflammation. Was it elbow inflammation? Yeah, I think so. It may be a phantom DL stint like they do to try to limit guys... Nonetheless, he goes down. Haney's going to get a shot tomorrow. But game three, the Yankees take the 3-1 to one victory. It's Montgomery versus Alcantara. And they sweep. Um, Monty struggles early, though. And he always does. 
you could put it in the books that he's going to give up a run in, in one of the first two innings. It's one nothing Miami after one. He couldn't find the fastball command. The breaking ball was not there, but he finds it, gets the changeup clicking, and eventually goes five solid. Just that one run. Four scoreless after that. Does a nice job. Brought the ERA down to 369 on the season. See Ross and uh, Kleinman are, are up one nothing on the set. Going into the second game here, it's it's 10-9 U.S. So, they're dominant, man. Um, 3-6-9 ERA in the season for Monty. He continues to be a solid number five. Number four slash number five. He's pitching well. He's consistently decent. I've been saying that since the guy debuted. On the flip side, Alcantara. This guy's filthy. He's got some filthy stuff. He got an upper 90s fastball and a changeup that reaches like the mid-90s too. He ends up going seven shutout. He strikes 10 Yankees out. He looks filthy. But finally, in the eighth inning, we get on the board against the Miami bullpen. Guardy leads off with a base hit. DJ pinch hitting. He strikes out. His timing's so off, man. Just fouling pitches off to the right side. And just all year, he just doesn't have the timing. But then we get to Stanton. He reaches on the E5, of course, the most Yankee way to, to rally. And um, that's when you get Rizzo and Judge going back-to-back singles. Both of them bring in a run. Two-to-one Yankees. Wild pitch, another Yankee way to score. That scores Torres in the ninth inning. That's where we win three-to-one. Bats go three runs, six hits, a walk, 13 Ks. No double plays, two-for-seven in scoring position. So we get the sweep. That's all nice. That's all done with. Good to see the... Um, the new guys and Rizzo's hitting well. He's he's already five for nine as a Yankee. He's got two home runs, a couple of walks, and the hit by pitch. He's playing some good defense. He had a nice play to bail out Britain in the eighth inning today with a double play, uh, picking up some key hits. He's already providing what we expect him to provide. I have a feeling he's going to be a fan favorite here. Uh, Joey Gallo might not. He might be one of those guys who gets on Yankee Stadium's nerves. Because if they're booing guys like Stanton, like Sanchez, this 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 might be a guy, you know, a guy that those boomer, you know, those middle-aged Yankees fans cannot stand. You know, those wave my fist at the clouds. Those guys, they're going to hate Joey Gallo. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Uh, he finally got the, you know, got off the schneid today with the base hit. Or, or it was a double, it was a two base hit. Um, but... I don't know how this guy's going to... You know, he might be one of those bipolar guys. <laughs> but he did double. He, he runs hard. He runs hard. I'll give him that. He's 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 a good athlete, and he, he's got hustle. But I don't know, man. I might not be the biggest fan either. I just... I know he walks a lot. I get it. I get it. The on-base, the on-base, the on-base percentage. But I do value strikeouts in batting average still. I don't care... I don't care if you don't believe in that. My personal opinion, I still think that stuff matters in, in the in the postseason. And statistically, it's proven every year. So, tough shit. That's my take. Let's get to the progress report. All right, we'll hand out progress reports when we get back from break. Be right back.
I just got a. I was looking at Instagram before, and I saw that not only did Rizzo homer in his debut with his new team, but also Bryant and Baez. I knew Javi did. I didn't know that Chris Bryant did. That's pretty cool. All right. Um, yeah, let's go over the progress report, and that'll be that. We'll get to the question of the day after this. Um, listen, the Yankees are now... Let me look. I know they're in third place by six and a half. It's a six and a half different difference between them and the first place leader, Tampa. Um, so there's 56, 56 wins, 48 losses to give them a 538 winning percentage. Six and a half back from first in third. A C minus. Um, I, I was, you know, I think that's fair right now. To this is to their expectation. So considering who they were supposed to be, looking into the start of the season, a team that could at least win you 100 games and, and take the division. Looking at them now, comparing it to that expectation, I give it a C minus. Them a C minus. I think that speaks for itself. Uh, let's start behind the plate with Gary Sanchez. Um, he's batting 211 this season. He's got a 324 on base percentage, a 448 slugging percentage, and a 772 OPS. With 17 home runs, 38 RBIs, 28% K rate in 81 games. I, um, first of all, he's okay. Can we stop acting like Gary Sanchez is the only good hitting catcher in baseball? Can we stop acting like there are zero good hitting catchers in Major League Baseball? I get it. It's a, it's a position where the hitting is a lot lighter. It's not as potent as it is any other position. I understand that. But the way people use that as their like their crutch to to worship Sanchez, it's insane. You would think that every other catcher in the game is batting buck 80 with an OPS of 500. There are good catchers out there. There are good catchers out there. In fact, there are catchers who I would take over Gary Sanchez, believe it or not. Guys, Gary had a great three-week stretch to inflate those power numbers and make them look a lot better than what they are. But he's back to slumping like he usually does. He's one for his last 12. That was this series in Miami. But he's also nine for his last 68, 132 in his last 19 games. He had a really good month of July for 24 games. But he's back to being like outside of that. He's been very bad. He had a really, really lights out stretch. That's who he is. He's a streaky hitter. And that inflates his numbers. It makes everything else look good because he had a really good stretch. That's how counting stats and, and averages work sometimes. But there are catchers who I would take over him. A number of guys off the top of my head. I, head. I would go Perez. I would go Contreras. I would go Will Smith. JT Romuto. Uh, the, the guy Omar Navarez is his name. Posey. Stassi. Garver. The kid in Detroit. Kelly. All these guys I just named are having similar seasons. Or better than Gary Sanchez. You could argue a lot of those guys are having. So let's stop acting like Gary Sanchez is the only good catcher in baseball. There are a lot of decent hitting catchers out there, a lot of good hitting catchers, a lot of great hitting catchers, a lot more than you people make it seem like. So with that said, Gary Sanchez batting 211 with a 772 OPS and a 29% K rate, 
I gave him, and the defense that he plays is pretty average now. It's not good. I gave him a C plus. I think he's played C plus baseball. It's not pathetic like it's been in recent years, but it's not been as great as some of you people make it seem. That's my grade. A C plus for Gary Sanchez. Let's go to first base. Um, DJ LeMay has played a ton of first, so we'll, we'll go to him. He's batting 265, a 345 OPS, 357, I'm sorry, a 345 uh, on base, a 357 slugging. They're about to win again. And 702 OPS. Not hitting the ball this year like he usually does. The power is not there. The high volume hitting isn't there. We expected some regression. You know, I don't think everybody, nobody expected this guy to win another batting title or hit over 350 once again. But I don't also, you know, it sucks that he had to drop this far off the plate. I mean, this far off. He's just, you know, we paid him $90 million and now he's going to go out and put a season like this up in his first year after the contract. Not exactly the best sign. Especially at this age. But we'll see. He is playing good defense. He's versatile. He can play, you know, a lot of positions in the infield. So, um, with that all said, the the mediocre offense, the solid defense, the valuable defense, I give him a C plus. Rootnet Odor. That C plus is for DJ. Rootnet Odor. Um, he's batting two thirty one. With a 303 on base. They just won. A 439 slugging and 742 OPS. He's got 12 home runs. He started very slow. I wanted him off the team. But good for them, man. I'm so happy. But he's came around for a while now. He's came around. The, the, the power numbers are there. And we got him for that production. For that power production. And he's given you that. That lefty pop. We're finally getting that from Odor. So, you know, I give him a C plus. All in all. Um, Glaber Torres. Move over to shortstop. He's batting 242. Got the 657 OPS. Just six homers. Um, he entered the series... This past series against the Marlins on an 11-game hit streak. Also hitting in 14 of his last 15. 309 with a 545 slugging over that span. But against Miami, he was just 1 for 13 with a base hit. Now he's back to himself. He's just not hitting the ball this year. He did play good defense this series. Um, but his offense is just taking... It's these last two years, it's taken a big drop off the power numbers in particular. But he's not even hitting for average anymore. He's just not the same Glaber Torres we're used to. We that we were used to. He's having a bad season. I, I I look at it as a bad season. I don't look at it as an average season. I give him a D plus. I think Glaber Torres is having a bad baseball season. Um, D plus. Gio Urshela. You know I think that's one of the few guys who you can look at and say has been there from day one, consistently decent. And for that, you know, his offense, he's batting 274, 754 OPS. He's playing very good third base, as he usually does. He's tough. He tries to play every day when he can. He usually plays hurt. If he's hurt, he's going to play hurt. Um, I gave him a B, a solid B. He's having a strong year. 
Aaron Judge. He's hit batting, uh, batting 282. He's got a 375 on base. The power numbers are a bit down. You know, he's got 21 home runs, a 511 slugging, 886 OPS. The power is down this year. It's not bad. I'm not saying the power is bad. But Judge, you're 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 expecting at this point someone like him. I, I think you, you would have thought he had 30 home runs and an OPS well over 900. But it's 886 with 21 homers. And um, I think eventually it'll, you know, he'll be he'll have a season where he's going to have the OPS over 900, and I think he'll finish with around 30 to 35 homers. But you know that that did take a little bit away. Um, but overall, that given his good defense in right field and his durability, he's playing almost every day. I gave him a B plus, and a B plus is the highest grade you're going to see on the team. So be happy with that. Brett Gardner, I gave him a D. I think that speaks for itself. And you go over to left field, uh, Miggy's hurt, but I gave him a D. Clint is hurt. I gave him an F. He had been horrible. Um, and that was it for the individual players. You go over to the rotation. I'm grading them as a unit. I gave them a C+. Plus. Um, you know, Garrett Cole has had some up and downs since the attack thing, uh, but he's been their best pitcher. Domingo Herman has not been the greatest starting pitcher this year. He's been very up and down. Nothing this not the same at all since that was it like nine starts in a row where he was very sharp at the start of the year when he got called back up. Monty's been solid. Tyone's coming around lately, but looking at big picture. And then you have the fifth spot, which has been a, a spot of musical chairs. Big picture, I think all in all, you give him a C plus. Not the worst in the world, but certainly not the best. And the pen, I give a C plus. I think they've regressed. They're still decent, but they have a lot of work to do. Uh, you could argue B minus. And that's that, guys. All right, that's that. So, all in all, once again, to review the Yankees and give them a grade, I give them a C minus as a team. But that's my take. So if you like it, you like it. If you don't like those grades I gave out, then that's tough shit. Um, but yeah, man, I'm going to go watch the rest of this volleyball thing. It's over, but I want to hear this interview. Wow. So is that it? I wonder if that's it. I don't know how it works. Judging by the celebration and everything, I think that's it for them. Yeah, I think that was the finals. Oh, man. I'm going to miss the Olympics, man. It goes so quick. Two weeks sucks. I didn't even know there was Olympic golf. Dude, what the hell? Yeah, every, there's all these finals going on right now. Golf's in there. They just finished their finals. So it's it's over. It's almost over, I would say. I don't think there's many more days left. All right, guys. Hope you all enjoyed. Uh, this was this was episode two sixty seven of BD four. We're gonna head to break one last time. When we get back, we'll wrap it up with the NYY NYK question of the day. Be right back.
All right, so last time out for our NYY, NYK question of the day. Last week in episode 266, I asked you guys, how many complete games did Randy Johnson throw as a Yankee? He made 67 starts for them. How many of them were complete games? The answer to that question, he had six complete games under his belt as a Yankee. But the NYY, NYK question of the day to 267, we're going to piggyback off of that and continue with that. How many of those six complete games by Randy Johnson as a Yankee were complete game shutouts? All right, so one last time. Of the six complete games that Randy Johnson threw as a Yankee, how many of those were shutouts? All right, so message me the answer, whether that's on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or comment the answer once you see the promo posted on my social. All right, guys, thanks so much. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. That's going to do it for this episode. I am back, (laughs) and I'll see you in the next one. Ciao. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Podcasting made easy. 